You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and sitting in the reclining chair with an ice pack on his back is... Me, Wayne Randolph. You missed your middle name. Wayne David Randolph. Dang it. Hi, Chris. Hey, Wayne. How's it going? Um, it's going pretty well since we recorded the last episode. You mean an hour ago? It was like 15 minutes ago. Come on, bro. Yeah. Just pulling back the veil. Um, <laughs> hey, Wayne, how long have you been in Christian education? Um, okay, so let's go with yeah. our school where we work together. You were there three years? Three years. Okay, before that you were at? Another school. For how many years? Um, nine. And before that, you worked for a nonprofit organization, who, which was centered in the middle of a Christian school. A Christian university. That's, that's what, what my hesitant was, because I was like, oh, yeah, I was in Christian education. Um, so, we're, I mean, we're talking 15 plus. Yeah. Wow. Close to, yeah, close to 20. Yeah. Holy crap. So a long portion of my life. <laughs> so almost half of your life, you've been integrated into uh, Christian education, Christian culture, Christian uh, Edu- like school culture, which is like its own thing. Cause there's like Christian church culture, but at least you get to take a break for six totally. days. Totally. And the school right? and then the school thing. I mean, that's even why we started this thing, right. was like, we wanted to give people some insight because yeah. the Christian school culture is a, its own little place. Yeah. <laughs> it's it its is. own thing. It's a, it's a unique animal. Um, and so this episode is kind of a bittersweet slash strange slash, other things exciting yeah episode um because wayne david randolph Sifway. is leaving the world of christian education yeah i'm done um for those of you who like for those of you who work at our school it's like well no doubt we knew this like eight months ago um <laughs> but those of you who are not connected to the school we work at um this is uh maybe new to you and so yeah, wayne it was a weird it was weird is no longer a high school bible teacher yeah um so uh like, and with the beginning of the school year, that's where we're at. And so you're doing non, like all of the beginning of the school year, rush and craziness oh. and orientation and signing up for medical insurance and doing all that garbage. Which I need to find. <laughs> so, so Wayne, tell me, yeah. um, why don't you share a little bit of the, the story of like the last eight months? What, what led yeah. to, yeah. I mean, you were... Like you, you are a vocational minister. Like you have been yeah, paid is, to live is, your life ministering to high school kids. And so, um, what did that, what did that road like that? look like yeah. um, to get to where you are now? Right now. Um, it starts back further than eight years okay. or eight months. You know that. Yeah. But, um, well, give a, give us the uh, reader's digest. Yeah, I'll give it a quick. Priority. So I, I've mentioned in other ones, but um, five years ago, um, my wife, Denise, um, when our second child was born, our little girl, um, some weeks after her birth and that excitement, um, Denise was at the doctor's and they found a brain tumor and, um, it did not, the removal surgery and, um, I don't know, rehab, restoration, whatever portion did not go as as planned, and so um, as you recall, Chris, you mm-hmm. and your wife were very much a part of uh, that chaotic period. Uh, my wife was in the hospital for sixty four days and was um, pretty close to death a couple times, and um, there's just a lot to to process through that. And so, um, 
yeah, it took her it took her a long time to get out of the hospital. We were told at one point towards the end that there was a possibility she wouldn't walk or talk or mm. eat. Um, and so having to contemplate (laughs) your wedding vows, like for better, for better or for worse, you know, and thinking about all these worst case scenarios, Mm -hmm. um, really left us in a, in a funky spot, you know, fast forward some, my, my wife's healed. Um, and by that, I mean, the brain tumor was removed and, um, she has recovered. She can walk and talk Mm -hmm. and and eat again. Yeah. Um, she's different. Yeah. I have a different wife than, but I think she would say the same about me. Like yeah. I'm a different person than when she first got married, but yeah, our, mine and Katie's therapist would say like every 10 years you get divorced to your previous spouse. Oh. Um, and then you kind of have to like sign up for the new one. I, th- I think I just can kind of confess that to you yeah. earlier, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So in in the midst of that, um, we experienced a lot of cool healing. We experienced God in a new way. We experienced his community in a new way. Um, but um, what we've come to find out uh, and learn um, is that we have been living very much in a, a kind of sick PTSD cycle mm. um, that has more or less manifested in us. Um, having a lot of wishful thinking about when there's a phrase that we would use around our house that when things get normal, mm-hmm. when things get back to normal, and this was both you know existentially and um, but even just like physically, like even inside the house, we we still had piles of stuff um, from when Denise went into the hospital mm-hmm. where life just got put on hold, and yeah. so like you would, I can see a pile of stuff in my mind right now, and it literally is just a, a day and a particular time on a day when, when life got put on pause for a moment yeah. and a lot of things haven't been unpaused, so to speak. And yeah. so, um, yeah, through some, through some rad conversations and good community with people and, and listening to some good podcasts and reading some good books and, um, just, it's been hitting me what's been going on, what's wrong. Um, to be completely honest, uh, it, it got pretty dark, for a while with Denise and I in terms of like, I guess kind of like settling, like, I guess this is what's going to be like Mm now. Yeah. Um, just constantly tired and I don't know, just, yeah, just not feeling we're burnt out. Yeah. And so ultimately we were burnt out and, uh, it took a professional development at the school. Uh, um, a woman by the name of Julie Adams. Mm -hmm. I should stop hitting the chair, huh? That's fine. Sorry. Um, she she came in and she spoke to us as educators in informing us about what the brain can and cannot do with our students. And it was at this point that I started getting more um, information about maybe what's going on, especially with my wife, but then um, also with me, that we are, we were tired. And, but like mm. at like a cellular <laughs> level, we yeah. were just exhausted and... Um, I remember telling my wife coming home after that PD and having this like aha moment, like here I am supposed to be learning stuff for the classroom for my students. And I did, but really what I learned was that I was, I was being a butthole that I was getting really angry and frustrated with my wife for basically when it boils down to, I was getting mad at her for the symptoms of exhaustion. Mm. And so I was without knowing the cause. And so um, I guess long story short there, enough kind of dominoes like the 
the little line came in came into into view and the little domino started falling down where we we really felt like there um was this invitation um rob bell says on his uh on his podcast often that in the midst of chaos in the midst of things going on that there's this divine invitation mm. if you're willing to to step through yeah and uh the way that i'm wired i'm not usually willing to step through I, i'm i'm the kind that avoids mm. those kind of things so um in this moment uh of of just real honesty and and transparency with my wife we both just kind of broke down and we're like we're tired we're just exhausted and we don't know what the next step is but we know we need to choose rest and yeah so i asked my wife what are some things that really drain you um you know other than other than me <laughs> and um the two th- actually the three things she said chris this is hilarious um She's always talked about the house that we live in. We rent from my parents. And so we have this really amazing deal and we've been getting it for a long time. But because we're getting a good deal from family, we kind of feel stuck. Mm. Um, it's hard to leave a $900 a month, three bedroom house. Yeah. Um, in Southern California. In Southern California. And so, but she's always just kind of felt like, oh, I just want to get rid of this place. And especially after the trauma that we mm. went through. Yeah. Um, you know, other podcasts, you, you and I were talking about it earlier, but you know, we, we talk about trauma being stuck in our muscles, like muscle memory, and it, yeah. it gets stored in our bodies, but it gets stored in our, our physical locations as well, our, yeah. our homes, our beds, our walls. And so Denise was just like, I'm, I'm over this house. And the other thing she actually said was like my school loans, which, you know, when she said I do to me, uh, you know, 16 years ago, whatever, you know, she, she started helping me yeah. <laughs> pay my monthly school loan bills. And so those are the two big issues. Yeah. Uh, I said three there, and I'll tell you what that one is in a second. But So we kind of just sat through, and I was like, okay, so Denise, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what I can do about the school loans. It's like, you know, 60 grand, and I don't know what I can tell you about the house, but, you know, what's the ne- what's the next wise thing we can do to just get you rest? And she was like, let's get rid of the dog. So I was like, okay, <laughs> that's okay. Like, let's get rid of the dog. And so, uh, yeah, we found a beautiful home in Malibu for our, our boxer dog that we rescued um she's at another house now and she like eats better than us and has for a second i was like wait you moved to malibu no no yeah no not me <laughs> so found a beautiful no home yeah our dog. our dog chica oh. she now lives like on a 10 acre farm she's like a farm dog and so like okay cool this is good and denise already said okay i feel i feel good i feel good you know i, I feel like i'm i'm getting the energy back and you know the other thing that we had in that conversation chris um it's, I don't know how many, how often you have these talks with your wife, but there's something really weird that happens when you when you teach the Bible mm-hmm. is when you're constantly like talking about it. You know, eventually you have to you have to kind of like apply it. <laughs> nah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I just I I one of my tensions being a teacher was always just feeling very aware of the areas of hypocrisy in my mm-hmm. life, and um, yeah. So so so. <laughs> Within that, one of, the, one of the things Denise and I talked about that night was, hey, there's this beautiful th- verse, and it often gets recited in weddings, and but it, it lists all the characteristics of love. And one of the things it says is that love keeps no record of wrongdoings. And in the, in the midst of us being tired and cranky, mm. we had a running list. Yeah. We had the, the tit-for-tat list. Yeah. And um, so part of that talk was basically me saying, hey, I'm recognizing that you're tired. I'm sorry for being a butthole. I'm tired too. Hey, I don't have enough energy to keep this list going. 
Um, but I, I'd rather use my energy to find you energy. Yeah. And I'm, I guess my plea is that you would want to do the same that you would, you'd want to f- try to find energy so that, yeah, we can just, we can make this thing work cause we're tired. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so we, we decided we, we, we call that our, our white flag moment. We yeah. just raised the white flags and said, okay, we're done. Like, let's just, we need to be a team again. So we get rid of the dog, and then like a few days later, Chris, my dad calls, mm. and yeah, I, I think I I think I went to you pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first person I talked to, but basically, my dad calls and was like, "Hey, son, um, so you've been renting the house for a long time, actually, you know, a lot longer than we planned, uh, about I think about twelve years." Mm. And so they've been they've been making nine hundred dollars a month for twelve years, when they could be making you know substantial right. <laughs> amount more. Yeah. And he, and my dad, by the way, is is you know works for a nonprofit. He lives on support. He is also full time in ministry, and so they don't have a whole lot of money. And so he says, "Well, we kind of need to sell the house for like for the rest of our years right. <laughs> to live and for retirement." And and so he was, I could tell he was like really nervous, and I was like. Awesome, Dad. Cool. Like we were, we were really stoked. And I was like, "When does this need to happen?" And he says, "Well, the ideal would be this summer, hmm. which is the summer we're currently ending, yeah. 2018." He says, "But you know, you guys are teachers. We could, we could, we could prolong it till the next school year if we needed to." Yeah. And the way that Denise and I were thinking, and then we're just talking with my dad, was like, "If you need to get rid of this place and you need money, and we're recognizing that we need some sort of." redo i don't know what the next step is i mean i I guess the next step was we'd have to find another place to live (laughs) but it seems like sure like let's do this dad this seems like the right time and so um the i don't know the icing on the cake but the kind of little sweet serendipitous moment on top of that was he said hey you know your mom and i won't be able to leave you and your siblings a whole lot, you know, when we go, like in terms of, of I almost said retirement, in terms of uh, inheritance, inheritance, things. <laughs> um, he says, but we, you know, we, we always thought we would help you with school and whenever we're in a position that we could. So when we sell the house, we'd like to give you your portion and pay off your school loan. So it was like, hey, cool, dude. Yeah. So in terms of this like domino thing I was talking about earlier, like they were just falling and it was of the two things that you mentioned. Yeah. Check. And and, yeah. and those are two things that, huh? And saying it out loud right now, it's interesting. Yeah. Those are the two things I told my wife that were like out of my control. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we, I'd love to tell you too, there's a formula. Yeah. Cause you know, we, we have weird things that happen every now and then in our lives, but but we, I mean, we did. We just prayed about it. And like, God, we don't know what the next thing to do is. We just, we want to find rest for. And that was the other thing is, is there's that, that verse. Um, I use it a lot for Lectio Divina, and Jesus talks about like, come to me, all you are burdened and weary, and I'll mm-hmm. give you rest. But He says, take my, take my yoke upon, upon you, and learn from me, for my burden is easy. Um, no, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Mm-hmm. And then He says, you'll find rest for your souls, and like. In the midst of all this going on, like that, that phrase almost became a mantra. And like, yeah. I want to know what Jesus means by rest for my soul. Yeah. 
I'd like to just sleep. That that might just be depression. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like this this rest for your soul. So that's that was our prayers. Like we're just we're, we want to walk into that. Yeah. And so then these kind of things uh, offer themselves. So um, we have a community, as you're very aware, out in Ventura of um, people who are in a similar life stage, um, similar age, and they're all in a similar place in their faith too. Mm. And like I'm I'm sure we'll talk about that in yeah. a moment. Um. But they have always, for like the last decade, they've been, when are you coming out? When are you moving out? When are you going to be our pastor? When are you going to, you know, this kind of stuff. And so as soon as my dad says we're selling the house, I text you know, on our little group chat out there. Okay, guys, well, it's happening. Like, we're moving out there. So I guess we need like schools and jobs and places to live. And all right, so help us. And... <laughs> No crap, Chris. Like minutes later, I get a text from my homeboy Dan. Actually, I think Dan was on yeah, Dan one of our podcasts the, the with the dads. Podcast, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, "Hey, my wife and I, we have a rental, we have a condo, and yeah, it'll be the cheapest rent in Ventura, and yeah, it's yours." So we're like, "Okay, that's crazy." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's um, at that point we got to start thinking about okay, well, what about work? Yeah. And so there was this very natural assumption that we would begin looking in the area. And so I looked. Uh, we had to move to Ventura, by the way, California. Which, if you're from SoCal, you know how lucky we are. If you're not from SoCal, I mean, it's yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty cool place. We're really close to the beach. It's very cool weather. We would not be able to afford yeah. to live there without help from anybody. Well, but before, before <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Yeah, before we get too far into like where you are now and where you're you're kind of moving into, um, yeah. I think that um, I remember from our previous podcast and even just for like some from some of the like the side conversations with people um, either on Facebook or like people that we've interacted with on our podcast. Um, a lot of people are burnt out. Like the place that you're describing you were in, like those, I'm not alone. Yeah. Those eight months or whatever, like, or those years leading up to leaving a lot of people are there. Um, and, and I think that like, it'd probably be helpful as far as like, what were some of like the, the main <laughs> things that helped you discern like, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, mm. like it's time to act, right? Like how do you, how did you discern the difference between like, I'm just tired, so I need to have summer and then regroup, or I need to take a sabbatical and then regroup and go back to the same place. And when did you decide, like, okay, I need to reboot? Like, I need to, like, with the house needs to go, the loves yeah. need to go, the context needs to go, and I need something new. Um, because I think for a, a lot of, like, those of us who are in education, who are in ministry, like, it's really easy to get depleted. Oh, yeah, because there's the cyclical nature of it, right? right. Which, which is burnout every whatever cycle you're in right may yeah yeah and then and <laughs> then the joy may. does come back yeah, yeah. And, yeah and so how how did you discern because i think there's a lot of people okay. out there who may maybe cool. have been in a few years of burnout cycle and they're like is this what cool. like saying those things you and denise were saying like is this what life is going to be yeah um so yeah. how did you kind of like figure that out for yourself because even if everyone else's journey is going to be different at least totally. getting into your there's some things yeah um okay so I, I kind of alluded to it those are that's a phenomenal question by the way Thanks. yeah um I kind of alluded to it that through like just conversation. So you've known me for a long time, Chris. I am absolutely a verbal processor. Mm. Um, so I, I, I need to do a lot of that and I'm dense. And so I need to do, <laughs> I need to do a lot of it with a lot of different people. 
and then a lot of repeating. Um, and that's just kind of the way my brain works. Um, so there's that. Um, part of what had happened, though, in us getting into this cycle, though, is that we did kind of cut ourselves off from people. Mm. And so, I, you know, um, the importance of community. Um, and so listening to your community. Yeah. And so if you're having people, not just the guilty, like, whether it's your mom or like cousin or somebody who's like, you don't come around anymore. You don't call anywhere. Like not that guilty kind of stuff. But if you're hearing from friends, like if you're, or if you find yourself saying no, every time you're invited out Mm. or, Hey, we used to do these things like that. Those might be some indicators. Um, and, and, you know, be, be wise with who you give that much, I guess, power to in your life. But like, think about those people, um, who you used to do community with who didn't drain you. And for whatever reason, the thought of whether it's just being with them or being with people in general, that thought of drains you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty much, that's an indicator. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of us out there, um, what happens is people make those sorts of comments and then you feel like you need to double down and like make the effort to go Dude. see them. But like, which is just more, it's, it's mentally already more draining. Yeah, exactly. It's, so it's, you dread it. I, I think that that's like a <laughs> like a good takeaway. If if you are if you feel like you've been burning out, or you're just tired, and you're hearing these things from people, maybe instead of um, if you're a people pleaser like me, the impulse would be just like go through and like meet yep. the demand. Just like, go do something with yeah, them and show them. them. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and check that box, and then it'll be done, and then we'll be fine. Mm. Um, but maybe take a step back and take inventory and yeah. say, well, what would it what would it take for me to feel like seeing them yeah. what would it take for me to like want to hang out with these people and, yeah. and then i think you might find um that rest is at the bottom of that answer well, that, and that right. was chris that, that was exactly for me i mean you know me i'm, I'm wired to you're social i'm social i, I don't love everybody <laughs> yeah. but i'm social yeah. um but when i caught myself like not wanting to be around people that i i usually do like being around yeah that's when i had to ask those questions like so either they're doing something, but then I stop and look like, no, they're the same person. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's going on internally? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm tired. I don't have the energy to, to maintain this. Yeah. Um, part of that, part of that too, though, and being honest is I also didn't have the energy to maintain the facade, hmm. which is that I was tired and, and in a dark place. I'm just not good at recognizing that. What do you miss the most about Wayne Randolph? I miss his morning prayers and um, his calm voice in the morning when we come in. And I miss his um, just his presence on campus, being really understanding and really um, embodying the mindset of having shalom and wanting restoration between relationships. How cute he is. So freaking cute. How could you ever not like him? He's just so cute. Oh my gosh. I mean, come on now. I miss everything. Uh, first of all, the class was super chill, and I mean, I felt so comfortable there. Um, and just the love that he gave to all of us, we just felt like we were supposed to be there, and it was such a nice class. I'm going to miss his kind soul and how you could tell him anything, and he was there for the students and cared like genuinely for each one of us. I just, yeah, I'm going to miss him. Um, just how he was very, you know... He talked a lot about the Bible, and he knew a lot what he was saying. It's just not... He knew, like, a lot from the Bible, but he knew, like, the backstory and just trying to explain everything. Everything? I miss everything. I miss just watching him walk along the campus with his staff and... um, And him just showing 
agape love to everyone and always just having a heart for people. And um, yeah, I just miss everything about him. He was really like a dad to me. Oh, I'm gonna miss how uh, real and authentic he was with uh, everyone, everyone that he was around and the love of Jesus Christ that he would spread. His beard. Oh my God, I miss everything. I miss how he used to offer me and make me coffee. And every time um, I was hungry, like if I didn't have lunch, he'd make me noodles. And I miss like the funny random things he would say. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. And I miss how like sweet he was, you know? He's like a father figure. Um, to speak Enneagram language, I'm a seven, which is like avoid pain, avoid painful situations. Yeah. Like don't think about it, create never, never land in your head somewhere to go off and run away to. And um, so th- those those things took me a while. When I say I'm dense, it's in that area especially. That mm-hmm. took me a while to, to see. But Chris, I would, I would get students. Um, the school I taught at before the school with you was a college prep school. And I just saw kids stressed out. Like it blew my mind. Yeah. Like, you're 15. You should not be this stressed out. And so they'd come to me. And one of the things I would do is something the teacher did with me back in the day. It was just they made a list of everything that they are participating in or all their activities, things that they do, and just categorize it. What's life draining and what's life mm. what's life giving? And then find the non-negotiables on there. There are things that are life draining that, I mean, if it's your mom, like you you don't get to. <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> you don't, that's you can't your mom. talking yeah. to your mom, yeah. So, so there was some of that going on, like what's, what's life training and, and Chris, this is where it gets a little, um, funky. I'm, I'm still, I'm still trying to find the words to articulate this without, um, without offending anybody unintentionally, but also being really honest to my own journey. Um, but if I'm being honest, Christianity as a whole has, has been life draining um, and for a while there, I, I did contemplate along with a lot of our other brothers and sisters who are in burnout. Like, am I just over the whole thing? Like, am I just done? Mm. And so I kind of had to do that, like that inventory again. Um, and it was like, what, what am I, what am I done with? And what am I not done with? And I mean, I can tell you, I'm not, I'm not done with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm still enamored with him. I'm, yeah. yeah. I say in love, and I and I I mean it. I don't even know how to explain it. I, yeah. I don't think those words make sense. And I and I'm not trying to sound like religious. But I'm just, he, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like as you, as you're saying, like the feeling over with like Christianity. I feel like the last few, a couple of the podcasts while you were out this summer, like doing all the move and doing a lot of that. Um, yeah, sorry, fans. <laughs> all, the, all the Wayne fans out there. Um, we we have um, we interviewed Dr. Nate Nate Turner um, yeah. and um, the therapist um, Christina Zandi, mm. and in both of those cases, we talked about we're talking about heavy things like anorexia and bulimia and yeah. binge eating disorder and self harm. And in each of these Ugh. conversations with these subjects, it was like, okay, these are ways that not Christianity, but the Christian culture. Um, and the things that are the appendages on Christianity, ways that those things contribute mm. to yeah. self-harm and to body image issues and Dude. eating disorders. And I think it's, 
I, I think that even just like your your explanation of like saying Christianity and then being in love with Jesus, I think I think there's a problem if a person is in <laughs> right? is in love with Jesus but then burnt out on the religion the, that claims Jesus, the culture around yeah. it. Yeah, and it's I, really and tough. I yeah, and you know, and and as I get a little bit more removed from it, and I'm able to breathe deeper and mm-hmm. have more energy and be in a healthier spot, and um, you know. I live seven minutes from the ocean now. Yeah. <laughs> it's already has a calming effect. Yeah. I've been able to decipher and articulate it a little bit better. And it's not even like Christianity. Like it really is kind of back to like at the opening of the podcast, like this, this specific place where we find ourselves Christian mm-hmm. education um, in 2018 with the amount of division in our country over politics, over race um, wealth. I mean, it's, it's just, there's you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to articulate those things. Like right. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, and it's it's found its way into the church, um, and then the, with this real murky um, sense of like I don't I don't recognize. I'm very disoriented. Yeah, um, I, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm doing like an orienteering class again. Like I've just been given a, a compass and a map, and I don't know how to read the map, nor mm-hmm. do I know how to use a compass. Yeah. Um, but I know that both those things are needed to get where I want to go. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just I'm 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 in a mourning process for the church hmm. because I don't recognize her. Yeah. And I don't mean that as some poor little poor Wayne, some little victim. Like just no, it's just it's a weird time. Um, our pastor at church this last Sunday was even talking about just you know 82 percent of evangelicals. Um, not only voted for our current president, but are like doubling down and like defending a lot of the same actions mm. that I was taught were not, I, I don't know. I, I mean, without, yeah. without, it's just, it's just, I'm just, I'm confused, Chris. Right. And so the best analogy that I can use for that, the reason, like the, the obvious reason to move is, um, um, my, my roots can no longer go deeper in this pot. Hmm. Um, and so it's time for me to find a larger pot and I don't even want to say like better soil necessarily hmm. because the church got me to this moment right now. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't say it with disdain and any of that stuff, but, um, once I realized that I couldn't for me in my journey that I couldn't, my roots couldn't go deeper, um, in my pursuit of Jesus, because of the environment I find myself in. Mm. Well, then, and I think I alluded that to that earlier, like this whole hypocrisy thing. Well, then, then you get in this, in this mindset of my, I'm like, so I'm teaching this stuff, but I'd like to think I'm a fairly effective teacher because of my passion, because I'm passionate about the things that come out of my mouth. Mm. Um, it's not because of my teaching strategies, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. because of my lesson plans. Um, and so if, if I, if I can't be passionate about certain things, um, and certain things right now, Chris, and our the current climate are considered more controversial. Um, and I, I, I still think that they're just kind of gospel essentials. Um, and so that that just tells me that tells me it might be a good time to to maybe look outside for my own personal growth. Um, but the real introspective thing, I think, like talking about like the burnout part, like the question that we need to ask ourselves. Is like, am I am I going to start infecting other people? Mm. Is my burnout is my burnout going to rub off onto my colleagues, onto my students? 
Is it? It's. And so I, and you know that I, I came from a really unhealthy environment before this school. Yeah. Um, we went through some leadership changes and it got funky and, um, it was, it was time to leave that place, right? Because it was, it was infecting me and then mm-hmm. I was infecting other people and I come to a new place and it's, it's far more healthy and, but I'm still left with some of this angst inside of me, inside of my soul. Does that, does that make sense? Yep. And so, yeah, bef- before I, before I hurt anybody else, I mean, that sounds really dramatic. <laughs> like, you know, you know, and I don't, I don't, but I, I've always taken very seriously. It, it says, woe to the, woe to the teacher. We're, we're judged doubly. And, um, if my heart is, is, is wrestling with other things, then yeah. Yeah. So I, I, there's no, you know, it's not like cue the sad music yeah. or get super deep. It's just, no, it's just time for a change yeah. in order for me to grow and it, in order for my wife. And then, my kids have been growing up. My wife's a private school teacher as well mm-hmm. at an elementary school. My kids have been growing up in that environment. And some of the curriculum they're using, uh, we've talked about it in some of our, our, our topics. Um, oftentimes, science is, is presented as something that you, you have to choose between God and science. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, just, I'm ready to get my kids out of that environment yeah. for a little while, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, but I have a burden I have a burden, a burning in my bosom, Chris. <laughs> I have a burden for people around our stage of life, hmm. right? Kind of going into the second half or looking, looking towards the second half of life who've grown up in this thing and who are burnt out. Yeah. Whether, it's, whether it's disillusionment, whether it's, the, you know, disillusionment, that's probably the, that's where, that's probably the word. Yeah. Yeah. Just disillusionment. Well, I, I, and, I, and so I'm burdened for, I want to help. I still want to teach Chris, just yeah. not in the high school classroom. I want to help other people process and navigate. Like the, Jesus is still worth it. It's yeah. still worth all this crap. And I, I think I'm excited for what's coming next, but I, I, I feel like the Debbie Downer because I want to keep pulling you back. Yeah. Um, oh, but dude. I, I feel like so many of, most of our listeners are in Christian culture, <laughs> are in the Christian <laughs> scene. Um, and kind of like the fish, we don't, like we can't feel the water we're swimming in. Right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so... I think that maybe as someone who is kind of like on his way out, can you speak to some of those things that were like, what is it, what is it about, what is it about like the Christian culture that you're excited to leave behind knowing that like you can't get fired? Um, so like if, if you, yeah. would be, if you would be more, yeah, or, just go for it. Yeah, for yeah. What are some of those things that, um, in the Christian yeah, culture sure. that you'd be, that you're happy to leave behind? Sure. Um, Cause like good news is you said that like you're happy, you're taking Jesus with you. Um, yeah. Totally. So if you're taking Jesus with you, um, what is it in the Christian culture you're leaving behind? Okay. Um, and you're happy to leave behind. Yeah. Chris, um, number one, I don't even know if it's just straight up Christian culture, but, um, Private school parents are some of the most amazing people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And without them, that healing process that I talk about with my wife, yeah. we would be lost without some of the generous, generous donations and creative donations, not just financially, but um, and support from families. Yeah. And, and so I have learned a lot about God through his people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also not learned about God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Private school parents, I mean, I guess there's an assumption when you first start that, you know, they're all Christian like you are, if, yeah. if that doesn't sound too loaded of a statement. But, um, but 
the reality is a lot of parents are knowing how to play the game and if their kids get a better education then they are hoping that their kids will have a better chance at winning the game of life and and so um, there's just a lot of politics parenting politics that happen um, in private school yep Um, so that will be that'll be nice to not have to deal with that Um, my wife was a public school teacher as well and private school and she says the politics are just a lot different in the two places but that the parents they're just they're far more active in private school which Mm. has its plus and minuses right yeah um um, you're still that was still pretty cryptic, but yeah, I, I think those in the Christian school scene maybe understand. Um, sometimes Christian parents, some, sometimes private school parents are really really pushy, okay. and they they will use uh, they will use Christian language and Christianity when it um, suits them and their children. Yep, and some and sometimes. Totally, which is why yeah. I start with the good ones, yep. and this is why I lasted this long. Yep, but and, and uh, it's and I'll tell you this: I'm not leaving because of parents. Right, it just happens to be the first thing that I said I'm yep. excited to be. But I cool, I could deal with that. Yeah, there's no perfect job. All right, um, I would say though, c- current political climate and the re oh man, here we go the reintroduction of some social power to the Christian group as a as a cohort in our country scares the bejesus out of me. Okay. Um, and there are um, just some of the conversations that I'm hearing, they are painted very tribalistically in a very much a left-right political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is always scary. You know, you've known this about yeah. me. You've known me for a long time. It's always scared me, the kind of conjoining of um, uh, being a Republican and being a Christian, kind right. of the synonymous nature of that. Yeah, the enemy is not the devil, it's the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. and and that that's kind of what we are talking about earlier, is that, so then, if I'm loyal to both of those parties, then when the Republican Party does something that goes against the kingdom, or when the president acts like a jerk and does not talk like somebody who represents the kingdom, mm-hmm. and you have kingdom residents, i.e. Christians, defending him and saying oh that's that's like that scares me mm-hmm. that that that's compromise and i'm afraid of compromise in my own walk uh, and i'm like i've i've mentioned a few times i'm aware of my compromise and hypocrisy yeah. and it scares me when it happens at a systemic when it happens systemically at a social level yep. and um one of the byproducts of that that i've noticed in my experience in christian education is then then there is an expectation um, whether that is from administration or from parents, and whether that is an implicit or explicit uh, uh, expectation, but the expectation is that I will somewhat toe the party line. Yeah. Is that the phrase? Yep. I always mess up some of these. I think that's the phrase. Um, My mom was Filipino, yeah. um, and so I missed a lot of the American so idioms the, growing the up. The party line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That's fine. Um, um, and so... I kind of alluded to this earlier, Chris, when, when I bring up something like, uh, pacifism and I am met with, um, I'm told that I'm a communist. Mm. Um, now, now please hear this too. This is not a victim thing, bro. Right. I have too many mentors who have reminded me that like Jesus, they tried to stone him his first time he was preaching. Yeah. So like being called the communist saints. I've always, yeah, I've, I literally, I've always been taught that like, like in this preaching game, whatever we're we're doing, that, uh, if people are always giving you accolade and stuff, you might want to question whether or not you're like 
speaking truth or you're speaking populism. Mm. Um, and I have noticed more and more in my desire to speak truth, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as my little preface there because I, I'm sure I mess things up. I, 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 I have bias. But in my desire to, to share truthful things, I'm noticing more and more resistance and more pushback. Yeah. And that, that's shocking to me. But to the point where I, I don't feel like I can be true to me or my teaching style. Yeah. I'm not one who just plays the game well, right? The way that I'm wired. Yep. <laughs> um, um, and so I think that's part of it too. Is I've been I've been lucky and blessed and honored to be in the game, and people have said, "Hey, Wayne, we like what you're doing with our students. We like where you're getting them." Um, yep. But if you want me to do it this way and have to like teach this and teach this, like if I had to teach just war theory, Chris, yeah. that would be like I would like I would die. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I get to teach just war yeah. theory, but I get to pick it apart and show other things as well. Anyways, yeah. all, all that to say, the political nature of playing the game, um, the um, the moral elitism hmm. that I have found even myself participating in, um, I think right now in our current social climate. Um, I don't like more than ever type statements, but more than ever, (laughs) more than ever right now, I think people need to experience Jesus and not be told when they are not acting appropriate or when they're not Mm. acting like Jesus. And um, so I I think our, I think our orthopraxy is at risk right now because there is so much emphasis on our orthodoxy. Mm. Um, and I don't mean that at the expense of orthodoxy, right? Um, but in terms of balance, yeah. And so there seems there seems to be there seems to be a, a spirit um, in the church in America that I've experienced mm-hmm. um, that is very concerned with knowing the right things and knowing whether or not you're in or out. Um. But the acting, the living, like, it, it seems like it comes at the expense of that. Yeah, totally um, get it. That seems reinforced in a Christian school context. Yep. Because we're, we're teaching orthodoxy and grading orthodoxy and have that constant. One, one of the things that I think there's a constant rub on our, on our podcast that we talked about is, is the application. Yeah. So what is this? Okay, cool. I, I Maybe I've got the right theology, but what is how does this play out? How does this right. play out? I think currently that is is draining my energy even more so yeah. to the point where it's not that I want to run away and run away from God and not teach anymore. It's I want to I want to I want to teach in a different style and format. Right. Um, and I think personally, um, I think I might be getting at that age where. Like I, I really realized it in Guatemala these last two years with students that I'm finally, I don't know, I guess a foreigner enough of their culture that I'm finding that I have to work more to get, um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm just finding, I, I'm having more cultural stuff, social cultural stuff I have to go through in order to get Jesus to them. And I think because of the burnout, I'm so tired that the reward um, 
It's just, it's hard. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, yeah, I want to make sure I'm not painting this picture of like, oh, I'm not getting what I want. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not yeah. that. It's, it's, I know my weaknesses. I know what I'm good at. And I know what my energy level is at right yeah. now. And I think, I think I'm onto something with this burnout thing. I, I, and by onto something, I mean, like, just like you said, there's a lot of other people that are experiencing it. And I love to help people. Yeah. I love, I love to get right there and, 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 and talk them through that. Does that make sense? Yep. And, and, and so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm switching from students to their parents. Yeah. Is kind of what I'm, I think That's what cool. I'm, I'm leading to. And it looks like the trajectory of that, like it's still going to be teaching, just not in the yeah. classroom. And I think what's cool is that. Was that cynical enough and dark no, enough for you, Chris? That's fine. <laughs> um, I, I think that what's cool about that is that there's this, um, there's like a freedom there when you're dealing with the parents, because when it, when it's with the kids, there's so much that needs to be guarded and protected and shielded. Half our episodes, and, yeah, right, yeah, are like doing it in the right way, framing right. it correctly, above reproach, and yeah. saying it a certain way, and like uh, totally. I, dude. I can't, I can tell you how often, like, it almost feels bad that I call this a fantasy, but how often <laughs> I fantasize about just being able to be myself um, and not having to play the game. Like it's really. Um, like I, the fact that I have to call that a fantasy is kind of like a testament to how a Christian culture works is that I have to, um, like I have to do my best to be as true and real as I can, um, while still keeping up enough of a veil in a wall so that I can not be ousted by this party or that mm-hmm. group or this sect or, yep. Yep. um, and particularly in like, a a school that isn't like denominationally aligned. Cause like, that's what I was just going to bring if, up is that's, that's a whole other game. Yeah. It's a whole other tight wire. We have to, right. Cause if it's like a Calvinist rope. school, I can play Calvin. Um, or I can oh, I play. Couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's but my yeah. other issue. But yeah. Having to play all of the, all the parts at the same time is a little yeah. tricky. So, okay. So sorry, I've dragged you into the No, no, no. Don't be sorry. No, those are such good things. And, and, and I've loved all of it. It is, it has shaped my relationship with Christ. It is, it is, it's made me a better parent. Um, one of the things that I'm excited about, Chris, actually, is this next stage in, in this new community that I find myself in. Um, I just remember hearing parents all the time at school telling us how they feel ill-equipped hmm. to to navigate this culture and to help their kids. And I'm like, this is where I've been. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm starting classes with the parents out there, and we're just going to be going through like kind of some cultural, our kids' culture classes. So we're like, literally, we're going to sit and have a meeting. I think next week on Fortnite. Awesome. <laughs> and just our kids play this game a lot. What does that look like? What does yeah. it look like to have conversations around it? And so I, I've learned a lot from that, that stuff. So I'm not yeah. leaving bitter. I'm not, le- you know what I mean? Right. I'm not leaving angry and yep. no, just I'm leaving, recognizing it's time. That's cool. Yeah. What other questions you got there? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just, I think for the, the people out there, maybe this is how we'll end. Like what, what's next what's for next? you? Yeah. Like what's, um, yeah. what's up next? Okay. And wait, before you even answer that, for for the record, like for the podcast. Oh yeah, um, we should Wayne, talk about that. Wayne will still be like a regular visitor, um, but I'm he, just finding this out right now. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm listening with you. But he's fired. No, um, <laughs> but since he's like a two and a half hour drive away, um, it is a little. I mean, we do have the interwebs, um, but um, it's just a little bit more of a logistical challenge now that we don't work at the same place, um, and now that he isn't always in the Christian school scene, um, and so Wayne will be like a, a pretty regular visitor. Um, but we'll continue to carry this on and talk yeah. about. I'm still. I, some of these thanks. Same issues. And thanks for 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 saying that too. Like I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that I will continue to be a Christian educator. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, like that's this is who I am. So, um, what seems to be 
kind of presenting itself to us, Chris. We're we're still watching dominoes get put into the line and get knocked over. And yeah. I mean, we're, we're still, my wife's still looking for a job. She liked to work at Trader Joe's. She's done teaching. She's totally burnt out yeah. and just wants to work at Trader Joe's. Awesome. Um, so, but we're, we have a lot that we're still doing, right? Trying to figure out, but it seems like the way that the stars are aligning, <laughs> um, there's this thing, Enneagram that I've, I've mentioned a couple of times and it's for lack of a better term, uh, it gets kind of classified as like a personality or trait sorter kind of thing um where it differs is that enneagram gets at the motive of why we do what we do uh, as opposed to maybe just a static test that tells you here's how you're wired yep so this takes into account this the fluid nature and changing nature of humanity has a lot to say about energy levels and health levels and can i give you my favorite definition of the enneagram yeah please chris hewitt he says it's our egos set of coping addictions that we have wrapped around our childhood wounds so that we actually don't have to tell ourselves the truth about who we really are Oh, so you mean it's a test to get at our self-deception? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. I love that. Yeah, so in, in the midst of all this stuff going on, Chris, I, I I have been kind of reintroduced to Enneagram and have been reading a lot of books and listening to podcasts and talking with other friends. And it has given Denise and I, my wife, it's given us a, a, a set of tools to more effectively communicate mm-hmm. the burnout we've been experiencing. And it's allowed us to show grace to one another. Um incredible amounts of grace when i when i another way of saying it it is it's opened up parts of my heart that like i'm able to love my wife differently and hear her differently um and show her grace and forgiveness and mercy in those areas where i was being a selfish prick Hmm. um so because it has helped us so much um and then the little bit that i know about it that i have shared with others like i've already done some like um, for lack of a better term, like premarital counseling with, yeah. with, a, with, with a couple. Um, but I don't think I'm a counselor. I'm just, yeah. I, I feel like an equipper. You know, yeah. I, I just want to give you the tools. You guys handle your crap. Yeah. Um, so that being said, we want to capitalize, uh, and not necessarily just in the monetary sense, but in the like kingdom expansion sense, um, on this transition, this invitation that we've accepted mm. to move into the second half of life. Um, to recognize burnout and to re-fall in love with each other. Hmm. We, we, my wife and I, really feel like we need to get this story out there and help other people, um, whether that's one-on-one couples, discussions. Um, Denise and I have talked about doing like these like recharge, like retreats, like yeah. weekend retreats for couples who are just burnt out and need someone else to help them understand that they're burnt out. Yeah. Um, but but really just pouring in and equipping um, marriages, both like male and female marriages, but then also this relationship, this marriage relationship we have with Christ, mm. um, because I think the burnout inevitably affects there too. Yeah, when we're uh, when we're burnt out in life, and so yeah, if anybody listening has ideas or that makes you think of something, like I don't know, shoot us an email or. Yeah. Hey, hey, Wayne, did you ever think about doing this or, yeah. or tell me I'm crazy, but, um, and where, where, if someone wants to extend further invitations into your journey or, yeah, um, to yeah. use you as a resource now yeah. that you're making yourself out there, um, go for it. What is the best way to contact the you? Best way right now until I get some business stuff done and I actually have a little, uh, like consulting yeah. thing, whatever right now is just my personal email account is Wayne Randolph 
R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H, the number 74 at gmail.com. Once again, that's Wayne Randolph, 74 at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like... 74, is that the year you were born? I was born in 74. Oh. Yeah. 83. So, um, I have plans, Chris, uh, like long-term plans. Well, long-term dreams. Yeah. And you and your wife are a part of those. And some other friends from our current school are a part of those. So don't... I'm still wheeling and, and dealing and doing all these awesome. crazy things in my head. And, and uh, I believe Wayne, doesn't that mean wheel? Wheeler and dealer. Wheeler and dealer. Yeah, and wagon awesome. maker. So. That's good. <laughs> so, right. yeah, um, I guess just lastly, yeah. um, for those of you, I, I just got a message recently from a, an old student, um, Allie, who said she's on a road trip listening with a friend and they were just going nuts. They loved our podcast and they're learning a lot. And um, it does mean a lot to us, those of you yeah. that, that listen and chime in. And um, we we don't see ourselves as martyrs. We don't see ourselves as victims. We see ourselves as people like everybody else who are on this journey of trying to figure out uh, what it means to live like Jesus and pursue Jesus. We just happen to find ourselves as high school teachers and uh even though that context might change, uh, the pursuit um, continues. And yeah, as much as I can contribute, I, w- I want to keep on doing it. And awesome. I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest, if I, like if in the future, I was back in the classroom in a yeah. few years, like just maybe gathering some new stuff before I get back in there. But yeah, anyways, awesome. until then, we'll, uh, we'll keep on recording. Deal. Word. Thank you for all of your contributions and thank you for blessing the world with your chocolatey voice mm. through my condenser mics. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not as chocolatey. Um, so, yeah. Wayne David yeah, Randolph. Thanks. Uh, you're the man. Everybody hit him up and use Shalom him. in your home. Wayne Randolph 74 gmail.com. Peace. My phone number. <laughs> <laughs> <Super>. <laughs> Bye. Bye.